Hello, Googleization Nation, and welcome to Beyond the Office, Building and Leading Remote Teams, a GGG Unleashed podcast with thought leader Bill Keller. I'm Ira Wolf. And I'm Jason Cochran. In each of Bill's episodes, you'll get the latest research, trends, and tips on remote work to build and lead cohesive teams around the world for the future of work. Let's begin. Hi, I'm Bill Keller, and welcome to Beyond the Office, Building and Leading Remote Teams. And on today's episode, we have a special guest with us, Gretchen Nasso. And Gretchen serves as the president of RKL Virtual Management Solutions, one of the four brands under the RKL umbrella. RKL is actually the number one firm in PA and a top 100 firm in the U.S. RKL Virtual is dedicated to helping businesses and not-for-profits meet their organization's needs in finance, accounting, and human resources. Under Gretchen's leadership, RKL Virtual employees uh, use cutting-edge technology and remote teams to streamline back-office functions for offices and organizations across the country. So it's great to have you here this morning. Gretchen, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And one of the other great things is I've known Gretchen for several years now, and she has uh, several of our people on her team. And so she has a unique outlook and experience in being able to speak to uh, working both in the U.S. and working cross-culturally. And it's great that we're able to pick your brain and get that experience today. So, but before we kind of get started on the, the remote teams, what was the impetus for starting RKL Virtual? What did you see happening kind of in the business environment that you thought we really need to do this? So yeah, thank you. We started um, RKL Virtual or what became RKL Virtual in, inside of our consulting group about five years ago. And really it was response to trends in the accounting industry um, and also what we were seeing with our clients. And then the third uh, kind of trend that affected it was the advent of cloud-based technology. So our clients were able to take advantage of cloud-based technology and with resources being tight, so having to do more with less, it really kind of opens the door to alternatives to having an accounting staff at your company and maybe using fractional experts and then technology, you know, to do your accounting work for you. And I heard you say something's resources being tight. Is that money resources or human resources? What did you mean by that? Kind of a little of both. Definitely there are shortages in the accounting profession. I think the last time I looked, the AICPA estimates that about 70% of CPAs are um, eligible for retirement or will be in the next five years. So those that huge group of baby boomers who are now moving out of the accounting industry, and then there are fewer and fewer accounting students entering the industry every year. So students taking the CPA exam, those numbers are way down and fewer and fewer kids want to be accountants. So there's people leaving on the top end of the funnel, not enough people coming in at the bottom end of the funnel. And then that drives up the cost of accountants. So all of those trends have really created a lot of change in our industry and the time was right. And then of course the pandemic really accelerated things. And uh, you know, we're seeing that as well. There's just not as not enough talent out there right now and that's and it's it's causing a lot of problems in the industry. <laughs> you have uh, quite a number of people on your team and I think that most of them work remotely, is that right? That's correct. Yep. So, 
you know, you have people in U.S., you have people in Colombia, you have some people in, in India. How much of the U.S. team is working remotely for you? Do you have an idea? So in RKL Virtual, virtually 100% of them are, are virtual. Um, we do employ a hybrid model, and there are a few of us who are often in our offices. We have office days just to try to accommodate folks that want some people contact, direct contact, want to get out of their homes. But really, technically, everybody is virtual. And in the accounting industry, that is, I would say, a real change, isn't it? I mean, that's, I mean, you've been in the accounting business for over 30 years now, I believe. And to start the company in a totally remote fashion, that's an incredible uh, thing. It sure is. I mean, when I started in 1989, we had to be at our desk working by eight o'clock and then we were to leave for lunch from 12 to one. Um, and then they kind of watched when you left and it certainly shouldn't have been at five o'clock. Um, so those things have all kind of gone out the window. Those That's just not how we do business anymore. And we sell flexibility. That's a way that we can attract high quality talent by offering a remote option and then really leaning into being flexible. So what is working for them, uh, we make work for us. And that's, it seems like that's what everybody's looking for. They're expecting, especially since the pandemic, you know, the first thing is, is the job remote? And and sometimes if it isn't, they're like X, I'll look for something else. Yep, everybody wants at least a remote option, at least part of the time. And we really don't have a mandatory office presence. We do do an annual meeting that's in person and even that is not considered mandatory but you know highly encouraged we want to see them so what did you find you needed to change in your management style as you've adapted to leading remote teams a lot um (laughs) the one thing that it's so much harder to have those kind of sidebar conversations or just casual how are you it's so much harder to really know how people are doing and so you have to really really be intentional and spend a lot more of your time reaching out and kind of directly ask you know spending time with them in a virtual way that might you know six or seven years ago you could have walked by their office or their cube had a five-minute conversation and accomplished the same thing that doesn't exist anymore so you have to look for different ways to do that and then establishing trust i think is a little harder Um, so again you have to be intentional about that and learning how to work with people's work styles i think that timeline is a little delayed so patience i think is important Um, but really the intentionality of of just keeping in touch with people is probably the biggest and i love that word intentionality because that's what i'm finding is before it just used to happen you were there and it kind of like organically you know, you, you'd be walking by, you'd have the conversation, you'd see what they're doing. You could kind of step in and correct things if necessary. But now you have to like, okay, what are the metrics? You know, how do, how do I see how to, you know, almost like a, a litmus test. You know, it's not a direct test. You're, you're looking for evidence of certain things happening or not happening as you're, could be several thousand miles away. And so you're saying, okay, have their emails changed? Has the tone of their emails changed? You know, all these little things that you're having to do and it requires a significant significantly different skill set, at least uh, that we're finding. 
I agree. I think the other area is running effective meetings. I think it's a lot harder to hold people's attention and have them be present because there's all the distractions that in if you're remote, the other people on the on the call don't really see and the ability to go on camera and off camera. So we're really working on, um, again, using the word intentional, but changing up how we run meetings and setting some standards on that because we've had a lot of cases where people are just not present. And that's why are we wasting our time if you can't be present and engaged? So is there specific tools you said you're trying to change that, you know, what are, what are some some things that you're you're at least experimenting with to try to keep that engagement during those meetings? Well, we're kind of rolling out best practices next month on, on expectations for remote meetings. And then um, I'm experimenting with kind of flipping the switch. So if I have staff meetings or team meetings with my leadership team, instead of me running the meeting, I'm gonna have each of them kind of run the meeting just because I think it'll switch it up a little bit and put them more on, I want them to play offense instead of sitting there just kind of taking in what I have to say. So I think it's also developing their skills and doing something that I think is really hard. You know, we we even have quarterly meetings with the whole team. So there's 50 on the call. Um, and those I think are, you know, I, I always tell them I would rather get up in front of, you know, Lincoln at the link and talk to that group than 50 people on a call. And uh, I love that, that you're getting them more engaged and making, you know, kind of pushing the ownership down to them. One of the other things that I found is also using polls on uh, Zoom is, uh, you know, to keep them engaged. So as you're going along, you can get continuous feedback. So this is this could be a very controversial question here, but this kind of goes to the remote teams. There seems to be a fairly large debate going on in the, in the com- business community regarding return to office or stay remote or some sort of hybrid options. How do you see the the kind of pros and cons of of each and where do you see this headed? So I definitely don't think it's going to change. I think what is going to change is our response. One of the hugest or the largest cons that I can tell you that we've experienced is that our new staff people are not developing at the same rate as we would have expected them to develop maybe five or six years ago. And I think what is going to have to change is our approach to training and development. So we're using old methods of training and development with a new way of working and it's not it's not working effectively. So I think we're going to have to change how we approach that. I do think it's here to stay, especially in the accounting industry, given our our resources, our shortage of resources. I think we are have to be as flexible um, as possible. And I love the hybrid model. I think that if we can lean into that and get people in here when it makes sense, I think that's kind of the best of both worlds. But we have uh, team members in overseas in Mumbai and Columbia. We have them also in uh, Florida, North Carolina, Michigan, and um, New Hampshire. So that's that's our commitment. I mean, we're really okay with that. We honestly, it's it's really more of a, a commitment on our end to change up some stuff that we see isn't working. And I and you talked about the hybrid option there, and I think that if that's a you know some some of your team might be you know too far from the office they can't make it there, but I think making that investment, you know, for a couple days a week at least is is really important. And I I think the there's a distinction here that I find, if you're a true professional, you probably don't need to be in the office. It can be still be helpful, but if you're managing your own growth and you're you know you're curious and you're going out there and you're constantly seeking new information, then you're probably okay. 
you know, being totally remote. But, you know, for a lot of people, they maybe not been trained in that. And we're finding that they need that push, that impetus, the other people around them. Hopefully they're excited and contained and the information that they're sharing, you know, can happen a little bit more organically rather than them having to seek it out. But that's the thing that I would tell the employees that are watching this is be intentional about your growth planning it out, working with people like you to go back in and seek feedback and say, where am I at realistically? You tell me I'm doing a good job. Okay. Yeah, I'm doing a good job for this level, but it doesn't mean that, Hey, I can stop. <laughs> and when you say, I'm sure when you say good job, it doesn't mean you're at the top. <laughs> it means doing a good job, keep moving forward. At least that's what I, you know, and so how do we, how do we encourage them to basically take that and say, I'm going to take my own growth and it's my responsibility to, to move forward. I agree a hundred percent because when I look back, some of the most important learning lessons I had were just through observation and watching people that were ahead of me, watching our leaders. Um, and watching how they behaved or handled a situation or, or talk to clients in a meeting. And without, you know, that physical presence, that's much more difficult to do when you're sitting in your bedroom on a computer. I think you also lose some of that go-get attitude. You know, looking back, I can remember when our managing partner was in the office, I made sure I was walking by the office so I could say, hello, how are you? He could ask me what I was working on. And I, I learned a lot from that. And you get, I mean, it, it's, it's harder to get noticed, I think. Um, in those situations when you have a hybrid or all remote situation. I love the fact that you were actively trying to to engage your, your boss. And that's the other piece of advice I would give to employees is, you know, reach out to them, ask them questions, send them things, let them know what you're doing, you know, give them, you know, they're constantly going to be wondering what's going on because that's their job. You know, how, how do I know, is everything okay? And if you can be in front of that communication and letting them know so they don't have to worry about it, one, they're going to breathe a sigh of relief. Two, they're going to know, hey, you're responsible. You're on top of your game. And three, they can give you that feedback that you're going to need to grow to get to the next level. And so really encourage the employees just to be reaching out to their bosses more often. And oftentimes they don't do that because they're afraid of what they might hear. But that's that's the challenge. <laughs> or it feels awkward. And we had a terrific intern last summer and he impressed me incredibly. And the first week he was here, he put a, a dropped a calendar appointment on my calendar, a Zoom call got on the call and he says, I want to help you be successful. What can I do? And I was just so impressed that he had kind of the proactivity to do that and wasn't afraid or felt awkward. He probably did feel awkward, but he worked through it. And, you know, I told him like this, I'm really impressed. Keep doing this wherever you are. Always do this because people will respond very positively. And, you know, there are a couple things that came up this summer that I thought, oh my gosh, this is perfect. And I reached out and I said, I have a project for you. And he probably wouldn't have had that opportunity without making that first step. I love that boldness to to improve and uh, be willing to put yourself out there in a situation that most people are 
and just trying to hide from. So, so what kind of brought you to the decision to use remote teams? Because you're you're a large firm. I mean, you're, you're I think over 600 people when you consider all the people under the RKL umbrella. You're very well thought of in the in the industry and in the community. But you've decided to at least for a small portion of your team go overseas. What was the impetus for that? So the first impetus was more let's see if we can work on a, a more flexible work plan or workforce strategy and we had met you and were considering you know the option and kind of as an experiment we added our first global team member and that was before the pandemic only months I mean I think that was October of 2019 Um, so we roll into 2020 and all of a sudden kind of our our supply of resources was sort of cut off. And number two, um, we had a lot of demand for our services, as you might imagine, during the pandemic. So we slowly started accelerating and it worked with our first employee, you know, team member. And so I think you know, we just decided let's let's kind of double down on this and see if we can increase it. Wonderful. And uh, we appreciate that partnership. So one from your perspective, what has been the most significant benefit or benefits from working with overseas staff members that you've seen? Well, it wasn't what I expected. And you and I have talked about this before. Um, it wasn't the economics or the ability to scale. It's really the human element. The team members that we have on um, working for us with through Mumbai and Colombia bring a different attitude and perspective towards work and also a different attitude and perspective towards respecting others across the board and up and down um, our organizational chart, their work ethic, and really their, so it's more of a a human element Mm -hmm. um, that has been the most rewarding piece of it for me. And I think, or I know the cultural piece of it has been also really great for our team. It's almost a benefit when we interview, you know, kids on campus, and tell them that we, they have the opportunity to work with team members in Mumbai or Colombia, that's a bright spot. They want those opportunities. Um, so that's another area that I wouldn't have expected going into it. And that's interesting because I'm guessing 20 or 30 years ago, that probably wouldn't have been the selling point that it is today. In our in our global world, people were like, oh yeah, I'd like that opportunity. I liked it. It's amazing how, how much we've changed, you know, how our society's changed. We're becoming more ethnic diversity in the U.S. and I think that's opening us up to working with people uh, from around the globe. So, and I love that fact that that human element that you're talking about. That's where I see most people. You know, when they when they get into this, they don't quite know what to expect. And that's one of the reasons that we have this program is so that people start to get an idea. You know, I interview some of our employees, so they see, yeah, they are human. They they might be different. There might be different cultures, but in the end, you know, they can bring some awesome benefits to our team as we invest our resources into them. And it's a it's a great mutual relationship. So you kind of touched on it a little bit, but what has been the response to your domestic teams to incorporating some overseas teams? You know, in, in many places, sometimes there can be some resistance to that. How have you found that they're able to, to incorporate the two teams together and uh, you know, how have you been able to do that? Overall, the response has been terrific. We started small and started with small teams. So that was a little easier to measure um, and to gauge. As we've gotten larger, we have had pockets of resistance. And really, it's how we've handled it is really there's an it's it's a non sequitur. I mean, we're not this is how we're doing business. This is a p- important piece of our staffing model. And the expectation is that we work together and they work with the global team 
just as they would with you know team members here in the United States. So is there something that you would do differently? Now, if you had to go back and do it all over again, how would you, what would you do differently to, to get better adoption or better incorporation? Is there anything you can think of? Yeah, I mean, I think our HR group has, has leaned in a little bit and helped us with some training on working with team members from overseas and working through some of the cultural differences, that would have been helpful, I think, at the beginning, but we didn't know what we didn't know. I think from a like an, a process, like a business operations standpoint, I wish we would have had better standards and processes in writing at the beginning so that we have clear expectations on both sides of the of the Atlantic Ocean. And I think, you know, we were starting up and we were really kind of figuring things out as we were going along. So those things didn't exist and that might have created some errors you know service issues things like that that we've since corrected but it would have been great to do that at the beginning and this is a good example of why maybe you don't need remote staffing right now but you should be testing it <laughs> because if you are going to need in the future just like you said and you brought somebody on in the beginning you you did a pilot you did a test you were doing everything the right way and there's things that you learn along the way and that's going to be the case every time and so i encourage somebody if they're if they're interested they don't have to go through staffing global but to basically put an hr r d budget together <laughs> you know because you know we innovate on our products but are we innovating on our people how we deploy the people where the people are how we're using them and so i encourage you that and so that's a, a testament to to you and your management to be able to do that and and look at things differently yeah you know, we love pilots I think it's the best way to test something and it really worked out very, very well. In fact, that our very first team member left during the pandemic to pursue education, um, but we've been in touch with him ever since and we actually met with him in March when he came to the country. So it, it was an experiment that worked well from a business standpoint, but we have a lifelong friend as a result. So there are two benefits. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I, the person he's ta she's talking about is uh, Shantu. He actually came from India, moved to Canada, is now a professor and a CPA and does work in the U.S. And uh, just an amazing transformation of all that he's been able to accomplish. And so it's been, I think, one of the things that I love about our job is when people, I don't like people leaving us, but when they do leave, us, you see they're doing great things. And I, and I love that. Yeah, it's really rewarding. So every team, one of the things that I talk about in the show is the good news and the bad news about remote staffing. So every team faces challenges. And I know you face some with our team, you face some, you know, with your own teams in the US. Um, you know, what has been the biggest hurdle in managing a global team? And how have you overcome it? Well, the biggest challenge for us to date is really figuring out what that management of a global team should look like, what organizational structure would best support our teams and our in our mission and really working through some experiments you know global staffing has been fabulous for us in bringing us some ideas and some suggestions and making changes to help us as we grow because the the objective for us is growth that means growth in your team and it's hard enough to onboard employees or team members here that are in the United States but to do that effectively overseas with a growing business and more and more work and more and more clients to serve that's challenging and really coming to the realization that we we, we need some management over over there and what does that look like and i i think we've 
come to a solution that has really worked for us. It works to meet our clients' needs. It works to support our teams, but more importantly, it provides some development opportunities for the Mumbai team, which is important to me. That's great. And so can you share any specific strategies or tools that have been particularly effective in building strong, cohesive remote teams? And that could be overseas or, or just even within the U.S.? So, I mean, one of them is, is obviously communication and having regular touch bases with the team on a weekly basis or, you know, as much as you need over communication is really important. Documentation of like issues or errors, we all make them, but we tend in the accounting industry sometimes to clean them up and then just indirectly communicate. But we learned a lot about documenting where we're finding issues because then that gives the opportunity for both sides of the of the teams to make changes as necessary and to learn from those errors. I think those are the, the two most important things that we've done. I don't know, I think from your perspective, I'd be interested to, to hear what you think about some of the things that we've done to overcome some of those challenges. I think the, the things that I've seen, like you said, one, the clear expectations, you know, understanding what the goal is. And I think oftentimes we go into a situation and go, okay, just do the best job you can. And it sounds well in theory, but when you set that goal up there, it's amazing how it changes people's behavior and their attitudes towards their work. And it's not because they don't want to do a good job and you set this goal up and they feel this pressure to move forward. It's just now that there's more of a direction, there's more of a goal, like, okay, can I do that? And sometimes they don't even know that they could do that until you set that goal and objective for them. And so I, I found that, you know, as we've gone along, I think in the beginning it was a little more, okay, just do the best job you can and we'll see how it goes. And then we got more specific and we started to set up these, you know, the goals and objectives for them, give them some targets to shoot for, give them more feedback more often. And that's what you were talking about, documenting those. And I heard, uh, I think it was Peter Drucker who said, never experience a crisis for the second time. And that's what I hear you, you talking about when you talk about, okay, let's document these things. How are we going to make sure this doesn't happen again, as opposed to this quick correction, kind of sweep it under the rug. Okay. Maybe it didn't really happen. You know, you know, we, we took care of it and it's done, but especially as you are remote, again, going back to that intentionality, I've seen you, that you've done that and uh, being intentional in that process is, is super important. So, yeah. And I think that the third thing that we did do right from the beginning is really involving those team members in in team meetings here even like like an overall team meeting but also in like client team meetings so our engagement teams support a group of clients and we have specific mumbai team members assigned to those teams as well and having them present at every meeting is really important so they have a sense of belonging and also just the communication on what what might be going on you forget that they're kind of in a vacuum over there and they're only getting the information that you're directly giving them by allowing them and including them on those frequent meetings they're absorbing a lot more and i think that's awesome and i've seen what i would say to anybody who's considering global staffing is look at gretchen she is the type of person that you need on your team that's going to implement this. Somebody who's open, somebody who open to new cultures, new experiences, and also including people on the team. She doesn't just see the Mumbai team as separate. Okay, maybe they're a lower cost wage or, you know, lower cost labor. You know, she's really incorporated them. They're just an extension of the team. They just happen to be 10,000 miles away. And if you really want this to be successful, that's what you need to do. And that's what I hear you talking about is, 
incorporating them into the meetings. Maybe they don't need to be there right now, but again, that's the training. That's the type of thing that you might've gotten if you were in the office. But since you're not in the office, how are we going to impart that so they can see, you know, the professional leadership and, you know, how somebody deals with a client when they might be having an issue and you're giving them those experiences when they might not otherwise need to at the moment. And I think that's the thing that I've seen. We talked about remote and hybrid work is oftentimes the problem is that people say, I can do my job and I can do it very well now, but it's not this job that you should be worried about. It's your next job that you should be worried about. And so can I do what's the next, what's the next level? And I'm going to be prepared for the next level. So if you want to do the same thing that you've always done, then you're probably good not seeking more feedback and, and coming into the office or finding other ways to grow. But if you really want to be able to move up, you need to be able to be there to, to find, you know, new experiences. And there was a book that uh, a guy that I used to listen to and Charlie Tremendous Jones, you might be aware of him. And he said, you're going to be the same person today, five years from now, except for the people you meet and the books you read. And that's really what's important to being in the office is the people you're meeting there. So are there are there any common misconceptions or pitfalls uh, that business owners should be aware of in building a remote team? So you're going to face resistance. And my misconception was, this is great. Everyone's going to love it. And everyone didn't love it. And everyone doesn't love it. There's definitely um, a thought out there that this, A, takes jobs away from Americans, B, that our clients don't want um, information in India, which isn't happening. I think a misconception on how it can work from a technology standpoint is out there that you have to kind of confront and get out in front of and have a have communication that this is how we're handling data because everybody's concerned about data, which is valid. And I think an important consideration when you're looking to get into this, you know, I, to me, it was, you can't make people care about something as much as you do. And there are, you will work with people and run into people that just offhand will, I'm not, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in working with that team. Um, I can't understand them and you know, all the other things. And so we've learned to, that's fine. Um, you can't convince others to feel the same way you do about something, but it works for us and this is how it's worked. So we're kind of a little bit have blinders on um, because this is certainly a piece of our um, strategy going forward. And I appreciate that resistance, understanding that you're going to face that. And when it happens, many times people see resistance as this isn't a good thing, but I'm not saying it's a good thing, but it should be expected. Kind of like you go into business and if you think everything's a straight line up, <laughs> you know, you are sorely mistaken. You know, because anybody who's been an entrepreneur for any length of time will tell you, you know, there are going to be ups and downs, probably more downs than ups. And uh, but through this process, if you're willing and go into this with the knowledge that there is this resistance, then you can say, OK, I expected this. And then let's see how we're going to overcome this, because there is some great things on the other side. So based upon your extensive experience, what advice would you give other companies contemplating venturing into hiring overseas staff? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I would always I, we talked about it before, but start small, start with a pilot, start with one team member. Um, I think you're getting ahead of the technology requirements and thinking through how you're going to share data, how you're going to protect data, how you're going to communicate with them from a, a technology standpoint. For example, will they have the same emails as the rest of your team? That was really important to us. So our Mumbai team 
has um, RKL virtual email addresses. That's something that we um, kind of figured out sort of in the beginning, but it took us a little time. We got ahead of um, the security concerns by look involving our IT group and having them help us decide what where data would reside, how it could be accessed. Not all of the applications that our firm uses are cloud-based, which creates challenges. So really mapping that out and being very intentional about what you want them to access, where your where the data will will reside and where like controls to prevent data from slipping through the cracks. So really we involved IT. We also at early on started involving our HR team to involve kind of your support system in taking this leap of this. It's really not that big of a leap once you do it, but I think the more that you can involve from your team, from your back office or your support, the better. That is great advice. And one of the things that I would tell people is if you have remote teams, this is something you're going to need to do regardless of whether they're overseas or whether they're out of the office. So if you think, hey, we're working remote in the U.S., you know, I don't need to worry about that. I, I think you're sorely mistaken. So this is just an extension of working. If you're going to work remote, you need to be thinking about these considerations. And then oftentimes, if you do a good job domestically, most of those strategies will transfer to working overseas, at least my in my experience. Exactly. Because when we had like pushed back internally, you know, we would say, well, what's the difference? We have interns that are sitting in their college dorm room up at Penn State or somebody sitting in an office in Mumbai, India, they're both not here. They're not in our Lancaster office. So how do we ap approach them? And it's really a matter of kind of mapping it out and really documenting, again, the data piece and then the, the technology solutions and communication. That's awesome. Well, as we bring this to a close, I appreciate your time. You've been very generous with us. Where can our listeners connect with you in RKL Virtual? So always on our website, rkelvirtual.com. There's a submission form that if you would like more information about the company or um, our services, you can submit your name and address, our email address, and we'd be happy to respond. And then my email address is on the website as well. And I'd love to uh, answer any questions you have or provide you with any additional insight on our experience, which overall has been extremely positive. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, Gretchen and her team there at RKL Virtual and the, under the all RKL umbrella do an awesome job. They're a great team. They're great people to work with. And I encourage you, if you need some accounting work or whether that's bookkeeping or taxes, you should look them up. And uh, thank you so much for your time and have a great day. And for Beyond the Office, thanks for watching and we'll see you next time. So if you'd like to learn more about remote staffing, feel free to message us for our free guide, The Seven Deadly Sins of Remote Staffing and how to make sure that you don't commit them and you're successful in your remote hiring journey. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in and digging deep into what's ahead for the future of remote work. We'll be back next month with Bill for another episode. But until then, please visit Staffing Global's website for additional resources at staffdifferent.com. And remember, don't let the shift hit your plans.